Welcome to Speaking On Demand, a podcast that breaks down the keynote speaking marketplace with speaker interviews, industry trends, and agent insights. I'm your host, Aaron Rayberg, speaker agent for Capital City Speakers Bureau. Have you ever stopped to think about how important tourism is in your community? and to the small businesses that operate there. I have to be honest, it's something that I think I just always took for granted. And today's guest will definitely shed some light on just how difficult things have been on our restaurants, our hotels, our meetings and events, and our livelihood, our tourist attractions. Amy Beadle is today's guest. She is the sales manager for the Illinois Convention and Visitors Bureau in Springfield, Illinois. That is where Capital City Speakers Bureau was founded and currently operates. So Amy and I have known each other for a few years, and I always love talking with her. I think that you'll be able to take a lot of positivity and leadership tips away from what she tells us. And I think that you'll really, really understand and sort of, I guess, comprehend how important it really is to invest in your local community, whether it's through giving of your time, through your donations, or even just buying local. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and an, a quick update on the meetings, events, and conferences landscape and how things are going for our small local communities. Amy Beadle, super excited to have the conversation up next. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking On Demand. And coming out of the Thanksgiving weekend, I am super thankful to be sitting down with our guest, Amy Beadle. Amy, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing great. It's always great to connect with uh, another, a former, another Illinoisan. Um, Amy, you know, as, as a lot of you know from the local area, Amy lives and works in Springfield. And that's where our, our home office is for Capital City Speakers Bureau. So Amy and I have crossed paths uh, several times, different events. We've worked together on se several speakers and just super excited to have you on the show today. So I think, why don't we get started and could you tell us a little bit about your career background and, and how you got in the role that you're in right now with the Visitors Bureau and Convention Center and kind of like what your core roles are today? Sure. Um, I'll make it real brief because it's kind of long and drawn out as most hospitality and tourism careers are, but uh, it all started for me in 1988 when uh, I moved down here from uh, the Chicago suburbs. And so I started my career in um, as a travel agent. I worked for the airlines, um, so kind of the travel sector of it. And then in about 1992, moved into the hotel and hospitality version of uh, the world and stayed in that, uh, well, whatever today is, so <laughs> it's <laughs> over 30 years now, which is hard when you add that all up, but, um, and in between there, worked at several hotels, uh, various different roles, everything from the PBX operator at the front desk, all the way up to the director of sales for one of our uh, large hotels here, the Crown Plaza in Springfield. Um, worked for the CBB back in 2008 for a couple of years, um, and then took a hiatus and decided that retail was the way I wanted to go. So I did an event planning uh, job, in retail, which was interesting, uh, for about eight years at Shield, and yeah. then returned to the CBB as the sales and marketing manager uh, in 2018. 
So you and I, we, we both have, uh, I was at Target Corporation for nine years. So we definitely have almost a decade in retail. Yeah. And I guess I didn't know that your job was mainly focused around like event planning. How, so what were some of the, the projects or events that you worked on at Shields? Did, were you doing local things or regional or what, what was that like? Uh, it was um, a, a wonderful, wonderful almost decade of my life. Um, when you think you've kind of done everything and you kind of, you know, you're just kind of in your groove, kind of pre-retirement sort of years, you know, um, took that job and I was actually um, their marketing leader. So I did all of their marketing uh, for the local store as well. Uh, worked with the corporate office closely, did a lot of mentoring of new event coordinators for the company, traveled all around, uh, opening up new stores as they opened. Um, and then here locally, um, executed, I can't even remember now, probably 40 or so events a year for the store locally. Their Fish Fest, their Hunting Expo, uh, 5K, 10K, a huge myriad of events uh, with a great team of people there. Uh, and then we also had a training center where we hosted meetings and small events there on site and catered out of our restaurant, which eventually ended up being the uh, restaurant leader as well. So I was in retail event planning and restaurant management all at one time. Oh my goodness. Fun times. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so if you live in the Midwest, you probably know what Shields is, or even if maybe you've ordered from Shields online, but the way that I would describe it is a monstrous outdoors, you know, every, everything kind of sports and enter entertainment, recreation, mega center, and the stores are just immaculate. They're gorgeous stores. I th isn't the headquarters in, in Iowa, is that correct? Fargo, North Dakota. Oh yeah, yeah, North North Dakota. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it, it, they just continue to expand. And so we were super excited when Shields opened up in Springfield, Illinois. And if you ever make it through Springfield, if you're driving on uh, I-55, you need to stop. It, it it's a really great store. So thank you for sharing some of that. Sure. Uh, I, <laughs> meeting there's planning a long, sounds like you were really, a really long, funny backstory to that. I'll have to tell you someday. But essentially, um, when they announced they were going to build in Springfield. It was around maybe 2000, oh, I don't know, 2007, 2000, early 2008. And uh, I actually was um, brought in and, and kept to secret that for this media release um, as to who was coming and so forth, because I had things shipped to me. And I was working at the time at the Inn at 835, a little boutique hotel. And uh, a good dear friend of mine uh, said, can I, can I trust you? I need someone I can trust because we're gonna make this huge announcement, but no one can know what the announcement's about. So anyway, I got all wrapped up in that. And I sat in the back of the room that day and Steve Scheel, um, the, the CEO of the company was there and, and he told Springfield all about what Shields was and what they were gonna do for the community and what they meant. And, and I, I looked at the gal sitting next to me that worked for me and I said, I'm working for these people. That's awesome. And then in 2011, wow. it happened. So yeah, it was pretty, it's a pretty funny story, but. I that is, what a, what a way to get, uh, I guess, introduced to them and really bought into their vision. And I've, I always do appreciate the cust the level of customer service, the clean environment. I mean, coming from Target, we were guest focused, um, clean stores, great, tried to put forward a, a great guest experience. And I feel like a lot of those same values, um, Shields, I actually just ordered some fishing stuff from them recently. <laughs> well, and that's kind of where the customer service association rolls in as well. You know, I've known uh, Desiree for a long time who invited me to be on that board um, as it was being founded and, and coming up out of the ground. And it was just a natural fit at that point, being the marketing leader for Shields and being so customer service um, passionate yes. myself that all of that tied together. And I know you're familiar with that because you know you're a very big part of 
of our customer service association, you know, speakers. Well, I, I appreciate but, it. I don't know how big of a part I am of it, but I really appreciate it. And well, I, I appreciate the opportunity to provide you with some terrific customer service and customer experience speakers when you guys do need them. So that's been kind of fun to partner on that with you. Okay. So from Shields to the CVB. So walk, walk me through a little bit about what, what your role is. Um, obviously, I know you're probably trying to get corporations and associations attracted to the city of Springfield, but t talk to me a little bit more about um, the vision and what you're focused on right now. Absolutely. Well, the Springfield Convention and Visitors Bureau, we are a body of the city of Springfield government. So we are all city employees. Um, we are our own entity and we are 100% funded through the hotel motel visitor tax. So as a person stays in the room and they pay that tax, we're funded through a portion of that. So clearly current day, things are not going very well um, and not as well as we'd like them to be. But um, we yeah, know- Yeah, no doubt. I, mean, I always like when you get that hotel bill, especially in a larger city, hotel tax one, hotel tax two, hotel <laughs> tax three. Well, now that I know that it goes to fund um, your all's jobs, I, I feel much better about paying that. <laughs> yes. Some of those can get a little, uh, a little out of control with all the, 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 uh, the charges on there. But if you were to really drill it down, and that's a really great point you just made, Aaron, because if you were to really drill those down, you would be very interested to know that some of those might be funding a, a special um, project area like um, a sports complex, or they might be funding a, um, you know, a, a pavement project to, to bring a new um, area where people can uh, meet or a, you know, a venue. Um, so a lot of those taxes are developed by individual cities or municipalities for a specific purpose. And so what well, we do though, we just pay it. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't have a choice. You pay the taxes on your bill and, and off sure. you go. So, um, but here in Springfield, uh, again, we're, um, we are part of the city body, the body of city government, and our mission and our purpose is to promote the city of Springfield to the world in a very general and broad way of saying it. And we do that through both tourism and through conventions. Yep. Um, so that's why we're the Springfield Convention and Visitors Bureau. So um, my particular role as a sales and marketing manager is to um, uh, run all of our social media, our Instagram, our Facebook, our LinkedIn pages, things of that nature, and keep us out there. Current day, the real thing is just keeping us out there in front of people. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of people who have had to um, cut their staff or reduce what they're doing, or they've just kind of gone blank, you know, dark or silent. And that was something we were bound and determined not to do. We know the importance of staying in front of people, whether it's dreaming and inspiring for future travel or what have you, that's kind of where we're at with that. Um, and then also just, you know, planning for all of the advertising and marketing dollars that we spend, uh, whether it be digital or through publications, um, that's very important that we're strategically placed in the periodicals and online where people can see Route 66 is huge for us. Lincoln yes. is huge for us. So, you know, we go out, we look for those areas where, where we're talking to the markets that we have product for. Okay. So for those of, so I grew up in Wisconsin, as you know, and for, for those of my friends and family members who listen or who talk with me regularly, I'm always talking about Springfield and the things that people, a lot of people outside of Illinois don't know Springfield is famous for. So help me, help me understand. I mean, Springfield, I think hangs its hat on one of the best chili cities in the country, if not the chili destination. I love, I love Springfield chili. What else do we got? The horseshoe? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, you know, people that live on the East coast or West coast, you probably don't know what a horseshoe is. So why don't you describe that for us? 
<laughs> sure, that always gets people's attention. So the famous Springfield Horseshoe, it is something that we hang our hat on. We, as a matter of fact, we have a landing page on our website dedicated just to the horseshoe. So I encourage everyone to go visit our website and check out that landing page because it gives you the recipe and all. Um, I can so put that. Yeah, I can put that. I'll put that in the notes. But <laughs> if you have not had one, um, and you probably, you, I don't know, I don't, have, I don't think I've seen it on a menu really outside of Illinois, but every time I bring friends in, so even in Champaign area where I live about 75, 80 miles away, um, the restaurants still steal that from Springfield and there's always a horseshoe on the menu. They um, try. Yeah, yeah. yeah Basically really it's a good. giant what piece else? of Texas what, toast. Well, what, what is, is it corn dog too? What else oh, is? Yep. yep, we've got the cozy dog. So the cozy uh -huh. dog drive-in, the uh, place where the original um, hot dog on a stick was founded. So that's really exciting. Um, it's also one of our huge attractions for Route 66. Um, so what we did last year, just really the book came in two days after the pandemic hit and our office closed. We have a really cool um, Explorer Passport and it has 20 sites and attractions and um, a Route 66 from north to south from up at Fulgenzi's all the way down to Motorhead that you can meet the living legends of the road. So there's eight different people that we want people to go and they're iconic to Springfield, they're iconic to Route 66, and they can have some of those great experiences like the corn dog or the Maid Right, which is another thing. We have the first drive-through in America at the Maid Right. So I would clearly like to eat a lot, so that's obvious. What an awesome idea. And would you say that the Route 66, you know, that, that sort of travel idea or that, that bucket list, doing Route 66. I mean, is that fairly COVID friendly aside from, I guess, you know, having to stop when you need to all, all of these um, videos or virtual engagements you can do right now, right? Yeah. Um, Route 66 is very COVID friendly. And we are, that's one of the things we're most excited about for 2021 is the resurgence of the road trip. We sort of saw it a little bit over the summer when people did kind of smatter out a little bit, but then they got scared again, you know, kind of stayed home. But uh, we know that this spring and summer, road trip's gonna be all the rage. And quite honestly, um, we're at the cross sections of 55 and 72, two major interstates that cross sect here um, and Route 66 running through. Um, you know, we are like the road trip Mecca with all of the sites and attractions that we have that are mostly all free other than the Presidential Museum, um, it's a great spot for, you know, all ages, families, um, you know, boomers who are road tripping. I mean, there's, there's so much to do here. You, we, we coined the phrase Springfield were more than one day because people used to come and they'd get upset because they were only here for four or five hours and had no idea that they should be here for two or three days. And so that's kind of the messaging we're trying to get out to people. And that, that passport is a really quick way to show someone, look at all this there is to do. You cannot do this in a day. Like you have to come here and stay. Yes, I, I totally agree. And anytime that we have a speaker that travels in to Springfield, they almost, almost always, you know, they'll ask, Hey, what's something to do? Where's a good place to eat? What's some, and I always remind them like, you know, we've got, you know, Abraham Lincoln, all kinds of museums and site historical sites to check out. And a lot of them will take me up on that and uh, go check out some of the historical sites. It's definitely worth a trip. And I agree. I mean, trying to squeeze that in into one day, uh, that, that would be quite a challenge. So, yeah. okay. So I got, so you, we were talking a little bit about like hotel taxes. Are you guys, do you guys get revenue from Airbnb hotel taxes or is that being reported and collected these days? 
you know, I, I don't know if I can answer that 100% correct. It's my understanding that it is not, but I don't know if that's changed. I may have lost track of that. Um, I know that it was something that hotels and, you know, other bed and breakfasts and things like that were, uh, were wanting that to happen. So that's all fair and even playing field. You know, if they're, if they're taking in revenue for overnight accommodations, they should be paying the same taxes as everyone. But yeah. I do not believe at this point in time that Airbnbs are paying hotel motel tax. I couldn't remember if that was like self-reported or, or how that worked. And, and if it wasn't, actually, the reason why I bring that question up is because um, I'm not going to mention his name, but I have a friend who I certainly won't listen to this podcast, but I have a friend <laughs> that used to rent out his apartment when he was traveling and or rent out his couch and um, he got into a little bit of trouble because he had done it so much that uh, there were a ton of back hotel taxes that hadn't been paid and he he got into some pretty big hot water with the company so that's why i was just kind of wondering as 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 more and more destinations um hotels are great they've got their place airbnb is kind of got you know throwing a, a little bit of a wrinkle into things but yeah i mean it just seems to be like that uh revenues should be collected from that as well so if you are hosting your own airbnb make sure you know your local code and tax code because uh you don't want to end up like my friend out there you don't want to get a bill 10 years later for everything no no, you don't want to, you don't want to get locked up or anything. All right. All right. So some more good stuff. You are, Amy, you are super involved in the community. My question to you, I mean, some of the, some of the accolades like being nominated as a United Way local game changer. What, what do you think, what, at what point in your life did, I guess the switch flip to where you felt the need or the urge to be so active in the community? Because I feel like there are a lot of us that are hesitant you know, they don't want to put the extra time in. I, what was it that, have you always been that way or was there like a, an event that spurred that for you? That's a great question. Um, actually, I think what spurred it for me the most was uh, around 2004, I think it was, I decided and proclaimed as so many do, I am done with the hospitality business. I'm out, <laughs> not doing this anymore. <laughs> Once gotcha. again, it's 2021 and here I am. But. Um, took a little hiatus uh, for about a year and a half and worked for the American Red Cross here in Springfield. And okay. it so happened to coincide uh, just before I left. Um, the last three months I worked there coincided uh, with Kat Hurricane Katrina. And believe it or not, Springfield had a large, large influx of people who jotted right up at Interstate 55. And this is oh. where they ended up stopping for assistance. Um, that was an eye opener for me. Not only that, but the everyday fires and the, you know, being outside someone's home who's standing there with what they have on their body and that's it. And I'm thinking, I can't fathom this. You know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't raised, you know, with everything and anything I wanted, but I certainly wasn't somebody who needed for anything either. So um, that was just a little bit of an eye opener of what our community is really about. And it was a deep dive into a uh, sometimes misunderstood organization as to what their role and what their purpose is. And that just sort of got me to a point where, I don't know, it opened up something where I felt like I needed to be more aware of what was going on in our community and outside of my circle and my little blinder. Um, I needed to be more aware that there were people out there who were not as fortunate as I was. And as my, as my career went on, um, you know, and you're able to monetarily and financially and time-wise and maturity wise, you know, you start to understand that you have a lot of things that you can give and should give. So kind of if you can do it, 
do it type of mentality. And then clearly the eight years that I spent at Shields, my job was uh, the community donations manager. Sure. So you, yeah. So you got hit up with a ton of requests and oh, probably thousands. heard everyone's story, right? I did. And I got to know so many amazing people and I got to know almost, you know, every organization there is, I feel like sometimes I find out ones that I didn't know about and I'm like floored because I thought I literally had a filing cabinet drawer from front to back by the end of a year full of donation requests for them. So it was a massive, massive job, but what a blessing, you know? And um, so that opened my eyes almost too much because then I was just like giving it everybody. Yeah, <laughs> so, no kidding. You know, that's where the United Way kind of comes into it for me. United Way is a, a wonderful way to kind of corral all of your resources in one spot. And they kind of do the work through their vision councils and things to make sure those dollars are getting to the right people at the right time and the right services. And so that's sort of where I put a lot for, gosh, about 11 years now, I've put most of my time and my efforts and my financial resource for donations to them. Man, thanks for, thank you for sharing that story with us. Um, I liked how you used the word blinders because I often think that, you know, we're, we're sometimes blinded by some of the realities and the hardships that people are faced with. And it sounds like that experience really exposed those to you. Um, Catherine and I are always trying to think of ways to like help our kids become more aware that not everybody grows up and, you know, has a Nintendo switch or um, even has a roof over their head. And I think that uh, it's, it's, it's tricky sometimes to come up with ways and to figure out opportunities to engage and then really just remind ourselves that there, there's a lot of uh, people that need our help out there. So yeah, well, I, yep. thank you for everything that you do for the community, for Springfield and for Illinois. I mean, you're, you're doing a great job. And I always, I, I love running India and talking with you because you're always super upbeat, energetic, and always positive. Um, how in the heck do you stay positive after the year that is 2020 and where your job I guess you're really trying to engage and get people to travel and stay in hotels and interact with the community. Like, how do you stay positive? And um, what's been the toughest part of the last nine months for you? Well, it has been tough. I really appreciate those kind words. Um, it means a lot to me because that is kind of the mission that I'm on at this point in my life. It's just to be that rock for other people and to provide stability in the community, to provide a passion. Um, my favorite thing to do is to, you know, do a radio show or an interview or anything like that where people leave and be like, wow, you know, they're, they're just jazzed about it. They're not even sure what they're jazzed about, but they're just really jazzed about it. So um, it has been daunting and it has been, um, you know, it's getting more and more difficult every month that goes by to continue to remain super optimistic. But I will tell you that as a role, as a leader, you know, I have a team of people and so I, ha I don't have an option. I can't get down. I can't not be positive. I can't look for the good in things, not look for the good in things because then I have everyone else who's going to do exactly the same. So I kind of put myself in the position of it's up to me to keep us engaged and positive. It is becoming more difficult. And I think the next few months will be a, a challenge for any person, any leader to stay positive. But yeah. I look at it like this. The investment that I've made into this city, into this community, into hospitality and tourism, I am not willing to just walk away from it. And if that means that I just have to be positive, look for the good, and continue to try to get our message out there, then that's what we're going to do. And there is no good in being negative. 
And, you know, we, we have a great team here. We have a great leadership team here. And so what we do is we take turns. If I want to be negative, that's fine. But I only have like five minutes and then everyone else yells at me and then we move on. <laughs> so you, know, you have to surround yourself with that too. And you have to really um, look for the good. But from the tourism side, especially the convention and meeting side, um, the convention and meeting side has been difficult. We kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. That's the other part of my job. A big part of my job is going out and soliciting conventions and meetings to come into Springfield and host their events here. We have a team of four people that do that. And normally we're attending trade shows and we're running all over the United States and we're telling everyone about Springfield and all of that ceased. Out of 24 trade shows this year, we made it to four oh. early on. And then, it, then we were done. And we probably won't make it to any for at least another six to nine months. So uh, it's a tough job, and um, you know, I guess that's what wakes me up in the morning is to come in here and motivate these guys. And we've been getting creative, doing a lot more e-blasts to people, you know, sending personal note cards, using LinkedIn, video messaging, you know, those sorts of things, just to stay in front of our customers uh, and make sure that they know that when they're ready, Springfield's the perfect spot for a drive-in meeting. We do have airlift as well, but and it just feels safe here. And people are going from tier ones and tier twos to small tier two and tier three cities now because they don't want to be in a major city. No, that's a good, that's a really good point. I mean, you, you even see it happening with like some of the sporting events that are going on. Um, most recently, like the Maui Invitational, which is a basketball tournament, got relocated to Asheville, North Carolina. So, I mean, just people are having to think differently and, and think outside of the box to make that happen. And I tell you what, as a leader, like I've, I've been in a spot where, you know, maybe I had a hundred direct reports reporting to me. And now our team is much smaller at Capital City Speakers Bureau. It's a lot easier to sleep at night, but <laughs> I can't imagine the amount of energy that it takes right now to continue to stay positive, to continue to think of different ways to engage and motivate. Um, so, you know, keep doing, keep doing a great job with that. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you, you and your team are, are really hanging in there, even amidst tough times. Okay, based on what you're, are there any hints, like any hints at when you think that maybe we'll start to have, you know, some more in-person stuff? Here's the weird thing for me. So I have, I have a, I'm experiencing sort of a dichotomy of things happening where um, on one hand, I have event planners reaching out to me asking for in-person events in December this month, in January next month. And then at the same time, I have people calling me and wanting to move their September 2020 meeting into 2021 so, or into 2022. I take that back. So it's, it's such an interesting crossroads. Do you have any hints as to when you think people will start to come back in sort of a hybrid in-person or do you think it'll vary state by state? I definitely think that it's going to vary state by state because that is what's happening to us right now is that obviously current day Illinois with the tier three mitigations is absolutely no meetings of any size whatsoever. So, um, you know, that's kind of put the, the end, end all be all to us right now, which, you know, we've only gotten up as high as I think 25 at any one given point. So you can't really have too big of a convention with 25 people. But right. um, I mean, personally, I, I think what what we're saying is I think quarter one is going to be really difficult next year um, for to, to see any difference than where we're sitting right now by 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 too much. Um, I feel like 
probably June 1, the leisure travel is going to start to pick back up. I think that people will, you know, start those vacations and things. And then, you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful and optimistic that quarter three next year, we'll see those in-person, sizable in-person meetings coming back. I think we'll see them, you know, more like April, May-ish. Um, again, if this vaccine continues the way they're talking, then, you know, that's extremely um, encouraging. And if we can get to the position we need to be with that by say, you know, April or May, then I think third quarter is, is a definite possibility. Yeah, that's, that's really good to hear. And I think that. I, I'm kind of hearing that I'm, I'm feeling and hearing sort of the same things. So, so the in-person stuff that we are planning and that we're getting requests for right now, a lot of it is like smaller 50 or less. And a lot of them, you know, it is in more of a, like more conservative states or, you know, Southern states I'm getting some requests for. Uh, so, you know, it just kind of does depend by state, but then what we're also seeing is we're seeing leadership teams like C-suite teams engaging outside talent and speakers to come in as they meet in a small group um, to, you know, look forward at possible solutions or strategies to come out of COVID-19. So that's kind of the stuff that we're getting. And then the rest of it is a lot of virtual, uh, still virtual. Sure. And I think that will continue. And I think hybrid is going to be the new buzzword for, you know, 21 and 22. I think people are going to have to offer an alternative because, you know, people may or may not be, you know, ready to travel. Um, but, you know, honestly, from what I hear from people in the industry and from meeting planners is people want to be back in person. You know, you keep seeing these little flashes up of like the in-person meetings are dead. You know, I'm like, mm -mm, people do not want that. You talk to anybody, they do not want to Zoom one more meeting. They do <laughs> not want to talk, you know, on the phone. They want to see people face to face and it will happen again. Um, but it's not going to be overnight. I mean, we're not going to see one day we're doing nothing and the next day. And you know, convention planners can't wait till the last minute to, to make those decisions. No, so, the, no, uh, those are massive. The, some of those, those 21 decisions, decisions are going to be a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Those, they're going to be 20, 2021 casualties just for the sheer, the sheer fact of fear of not, you know, I keep saying to someone, I go, can I just have a date? If you could just give me a date when this is all going to end. I don't really care what the date is. I just want to know so I can start planning because I think yeah, that's I think been that's, the most difficult yeah, I think thing. That's what it, no doubt. That's what a lot of us, I think, would, uh, it's just human nature. We want to know how long things are going to take and then we'll brace ourselves and I guess, make a timeline in order to get there. So um, yeah, it's, it, th this has been an unprecedented year. It's been super crazy. Um, I just, I wish you the best of luck. Continue to stay positive. I, everybody tells me, speakers, meeting planners, one day, Aaron, you're going to be busier than you even know what to do with. And I welcome that day anytime now. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the important thing that I've figured out for myself, uh, well, this has been a huge like growth and learning lesson for me as to how to, you know, know you're not in charge and know you're not making any decisions and know nothing's up to you and you've lost all control, which is not something you tell a control freak, you know, really openly. <laughs> so yeah. I really tried to study myself and to really just um, find ways to, um, improve upon that. But the one thing I've noticed lately is that I'm very much becoming concerned with losing the edge and the passion and the competitiveness. So finding ways to continue to hold on to that when it's not necessarily appropriate or necessary right now, it's been so long. Yes. You know, and so 2008, we went through that slump 
you know, in 2000, in 9-11, we went through that song, but it, it didn't last like this. And, and thinking that this could last through June, that we could literally be like 15 to 18 months. I mean, it, it's just hard. I don't want to lose that edge and that passion, um, but I don't have the outlets to really utilize it. So just figuring out ways to, to not, um, so when we come up out of this, we're ready to hit the ground running. And so that's kind of, um, I'm finding that some of that is done through some, you know, younger people or mentoring or coaching, you know, things like that where, um, or even with the, the um, community service, you know, um, taking people under your wing and helping them get started and, you know, figuring that component out. I mean, finding little wins, the wins are so much smaller nowadays yep. that at first you were almost embarrassed to celebrate them, but now you just know you have to, you know, if, if you have something like today, like I consider today a win, I feel like I've accomplished something <laughs> talking to you. I know. Um, I, well, I definitely consider it a win. So I appreciate you coming on the show. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, I learned so much from, uh, I've learned so much in the last four months from doing this podcast and uh, hopefully it provides others with some value. But one of the things that I always want to do too, is give you an opportunity to, uh, you know, if there's a, if there's a meeting planner out there and you want to learn more about Springfield um, and I'll put some links in the notes, but you know, what are some places, Amy, what are some resources that they can do to, um, to get the process started? Absolutely. The best place to start really is our website. It's quite, it's quite great. Um, we've got everything on there from planning a day trip to, um, you know, a vacation to meeting planning uh, resources on there as well. So visit springfieldillinois.com. That's our website. So I, I would go there. Um, our Facebook and our Instagram are at Visit Springfield. Those are great places just to kind of see some of the treasures that we have around and some of the things that are going on just to get the flavor of Springfield, if you will. Um, and then obviously just to reach out to us at any point in time, um, all of our contact information along with our, you know, photos are right there on our website. So reach out if we can be of help. Um, we would love to, and, you know, we're open to any and all size meetings, whether it be 10 people to, you know, a couple, two, 3000 people, we would love to showcase Springfield. Uh, all of our services are free. So that's something people don't know. Um, we're basically, you know, a, a private planner for you that has insight and on the ground information uh, that can help make things, you know, huge success for meeting planners. So always want to be called on and are always happy to uh, do site tours with people and just showcase our wonderful city. It's so much fun. And I think that's something that we all miss greatly is that contact and, and really being able to bring people in and take them around everywhere and show our pride of our city that we have. Absolutely. And note that the free service, use your resources, people, when you're planning your next trip. Yes. All right, Amy, is there anything else you want to leave everyone with before we wrap it up today? I really appreciate you coming on the show and um, let me pick your brain about meetings and events landscape that we're in. No, I appreciate being here. It's, it's been an honor. And I would just say to people, just, you know, chin up, head up, be positive. Negativity is going to get us nowhere. Be patient. We're almost there. Think about the time that we've invested in this and please just make good decisions over the next couple of months. And, and we're, we're almost there. We've got to get there. We just have to. And brighter days are ahead. I love it. Patience. That, is the, that has been my kind of like my key word uh, for the last nine months. When, once I was able to, I guess, temper my expectations and just be really, really patient um, yeah, maybe I'm not going to book a speaker today, or maybe I won't 
get a new proposal on my desk this week. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the key right there. So thank you. Thank you again. It's been a lot of fun. We'll have to do this again sometime. I hope to. Thank you, Aaron. Take care, Amy. Thanks right. again. We'll see you. Bye-bye. That's all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amy Beadle, and I hope that you can take some of Amy's positivity and her outlook on leadership and apply that to what you're doing today and in the coming weeks ahead. For those of you planning an event in the next, I don't know, two or three months, what questions do you have? What is on your mind? What are you worried about? What are some things um, that are keeping you from getting your event locked in place, signed, sealed, and delivered before the end of this year? Give me a call. Send me an email. I'd love to have a conversation. Even if it doesn't mean helping you out with a speaker, um, I'm certainly willing and able and uh, just love uh, strategizing over the events and the meetings, marketplace, anything that you have, send it my way. This is another episode of Speaking On Demand. Aaron Rayberg signing off. Enjoy the rest of your week. To hire a speaker for your next meeting or event, contact me at area code 217-855-6909, call or text. You can also follow me on Twitter at Aaron Rayberg and check out my LinkedIn profile at linkedin.com slash in slash Aaron Rayberg. Thank you.